0: From the Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. Each week we bring you in-depth conversations with some of the biggest names in filmmaking. It's March 16th, 2016. I'm Michael Odemark, one of the show's producers. Julie Delpy is one of contemporary French cinema's great renaissance talents. She's an accomplished writer, director, actor, and composer. Her latest comedy, Lolo, had its New York premiere in our Rendezvous with French Cinema Festival, which concluded this past weekend. Before its first screening, Delpy joined us for one of our free talks, which were sponsored by HBO. The subject of the conversation was French comedy, and Delpy drew from her 30-plus years of experience on both sides of the camera in Europe and the U.S. to discuss her approach to the genre. Upcoming free talks will feature guests like Don Cheadle, whose directorial debut, Miles Ahead, closed the 53rd New York Film Festival, renowned photographer Gregory Crutzen, who will discuss his new exhibit and book Cathedral of the Pines, and Nia Vardalos, who will join us on the occasion of the release of My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2. Visit filmlink.org free for more information about all our free events. Our talk with Julie Delpy was moderated by Film Society programmer Florence Almazini. Let's go now to their conversation. Chantal Ackerman, Ho Shao Shen, Spike Lee, Laura Poitras, Kelly Reichardt. These are just a few of the filmmakers who were introduced to New York audiences at New Directors New Films. The 45th edition of the festival runs March 16th through the 27th at the Film Society of Lincoln Center and the Museum of Modern Art. It opens with Under the Shadow, a horror film set in the Iran-Iraq War, and closes with Camera Person, a deeply personal documentary by cinematographer-turned-director Kirsten Johnson. In between are films by exciting new filmmakers from around the world. For more information, check out newdirectors.org.
1: Thank you. And we're even going
2: to do it in English. We consider discussing in French, but, you know, just, it's just too difficult. Uh, so, Julie, you uh, started uh, as an actress in a lot of, uh, with a lot of very heavy and influential filmmaker. You know, I'm thinking about like Godard, Carax, Gielowski, Tavernier. Uh, and then later on in your life, you started, uh, you work also with Richard Lintaker, Uh directing films. Uh, and your films are mostly comedies, except for one. Mm-hmm. So you directed, uh, I think the film that are most known here would be Two Days in Paris and Two Days in New York. Uh, then you did The Contest and Skylab, which is also pretty funny. And your new film is Lolo. So could you talk a little bit about maybe your love for comedy and why you wanted to start as a director, uh, directing
1: comedy? Well, you know, I'm actually a very dark person. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, it's actually true. (laughs) No, I have two sides. I'm very dark and also quite funny. I mean, I get very dark and then I make fun of myself for being dark. So, you know, I, I kind of, uh, it, it turns out that um, I, I end up doing mostly comedies because also I get them finance easier. Uh, it's, it's easier to, to get a, a comedy made uh, than it is to get a drama made. Somehow drama is a little more, you know, scary for people. I mean, you know, comedies, uh, in a way, also, you know, comedies, uh, people make usually money with it and, you know, dramas not always, so... It's it's uh, so 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 that's the way it is, and I enjoy making comedies. It's it's uh, it's actually a lot of fun. I, I enjoy making people laugh. I enjoy being crazy, naughty, being like it's like being a child again. I mean, I love it, you know. Um, and uh, and it's not necessarily easy to make comedies. It's there's a challenge there, which is like being funny, because you know a comedy that's not funny. It's really nothing, you know. A drama that's not really sad or too dramatic can still pass for a movie but a comedy that's not funny it's just a complete disaster so uh, you know that's uh that's uh, the challenge is to be funny you know. so you didn't just make comedy for money right you were attracted to it too <laughs> yeah I don't only do things for money <laughs> I actually enjoy making movies uh, actually if I was only in for the money I would be making another kind of comedies, and I would be making other things, you know. So, so I mean, I haven't figured it out, actually, yet, completely, how to really make money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this film did really well. Lolo, not this film, whatever, there's no film there. But uh, Lolo is, did really well in France, you know. And so, uh, you know, I made a little money, but I mean, that wasn't the, the, uh, the goal, you know, that was, uh, I love entertaining, I love having fun, you know, I'm actually thinking about starting stand-up, because I, I like comedy so much that, you know, but it would be so bad that I think I would, uh, I would get, um, you know, killed or something, but um, it would be really bad, I think, I would be terrible, uh, but so I'm not doing it yet, I um, no, we, we can rehearse
0: <laughs> no 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 it's
1: better we don't <laughs> no no I'm completely no no it would be disastrous but no no but I love uh, comedy for you know for other reasons than making money I mean two days in Paris ended up making money but originally you know like I made it, it, it people made money with it but actually never saw a dime <laughs> the, the, they made a lot of money worldwide I mean, someone but else got rich so, from yeah exactly it. I'm, I, I like making other people rich <laughs> Basically. It's looking good for me. (laughs) The guy actually (laughs) saved his company in France with with that film, you know. You mean the producer? Yeah. Okay. He saved his company. I was happy he saved his company. I love he has a beautiful boat, but now they went bankrupt. It wasn't my fault. They made too many films after that. You need to make um, (laughs) two days somewhere else and save him. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really my goal, is to save him. (laughs) So talking about... um, comedies
2: and writing, because you write your film or you co-write your films. Can you talk a little bit about the process for the writing? So so your jokes have a lot of uh, comedic timing, but it's also very verbal, which translate actually very, very well in English. And it's it's hard to have comedy travel. A lot of them don't work that well, but yours are specifically, um, I think, work really well with an American audience as well as a French audience so can you talk about your writing process?
1: Yeah it's funny I saw that in Toronto because we had half the room French half the room English and they were laughing at the same time there was one or two things that got lost in translation some kind of subtlety of uh, dirty words in French that are so dirty in French and they're just kind of just just dirty in English, and in French, they were really, really dirty, so, you know, they were funnier in French because so much dirtier, but, you know, sometimes French language can go very far in the, in the flowery uh, uh, argot um, slang that, you know, sometimes there's subtleties, you know, it's, it's not exactly translatable sometimes, you know, but um, outside of that, most, most people laugh at the same time, which is a good sign, you know, for me, but... Um, Yeah, I mean, I try to think humor, when I think of humor, I I think of a humor that can appeal to, you know, in a way, everyone. Not because I want to make money, but because... uh, (laughs) because, No, because I, I really... First of all, because I have friends from all over the world. And when I meet my friends, I'm not bragging, it's just the way my life started evolving and traveling and everything and And basically, I like to when i 'm with my friends, I like to make everyone laugh, not just you know the French or the Americans or the Japanese or the you know russian i like to I like to have everyone enjoy the conversation you know uh, and really, I love to you know when you know when two days in Paris came out um, this one hasn't come out in most places, so but you know, people from Brazil would come up to me and say, "Oh, this reminds me of my family, people from Russia, people from Asia." And I was like, "Oh, that's great. Like I reached something you know i was I was happy about that. like it made people laugh from different countries, you know. So different so you, cultures.
2: So you get to watch a film like in other countries when you travel with it, yeah. and then you sit with the audience or you just see the reaction at some point? Yeah, or? I
1: sit a little bit mm-hmm. sometimes with the audience. Mm-hmm. I don't like to watch my films. Once they're mm-hmm. done, they're done. Like I try to think of the next one, mm-hmm. but um, don't like to dwell on the past or even too much on the present. I like to already think of the future always. But, um, but I, tr- I try to watch just to have a sense. I mean, festivals are good for that because you have a mix of everything. Every kind of people, so it 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 allows you to have a kind of an idea of like you know people liking the film and from different places and. Do you rehearse the jokes or hating the film or hating the film altogether from different places? You know, depending. (laughs) So, do you rehearse the jokes at all,
2: Uh, like with outside of writing to see if it works or it translates? Do do I
1: rehearse on people the jokes? No, 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 no. I don't know, no. But sometimes I use jokes I make at dinners, later in films and stuff. It, it's happened to me, but... So, so I do rehearse them sometimes, yeah, that's true.
2: So do you use a lot of
1: inspiration from your personal life for,
2: like, like, two days uh, film, or maybe...?
1: You know, two days was very personal films, because I made it with my family, with my friends. I had no choice, I had no money to make the film. So it's like I hired my parents, my friends, everyone I knew was in the film, my cat. I mean, literally, like, my cat. Um, he's, he's gone but he was a wonderful actor and, um, and I just uh, yeah I mean you know so that's a very personal film and it's true that it's inspired it's not actually autobiographical because I've never had an American boyfriend I've had American boyfriends but they never came to Paris to meet my parents so I've never had this situation but I, I imagine what it would be like you know if a, a more kind of nervous neurotic uptight American boyfriend would meet my parents who are those crazy you know completely like um, mad French people you know um, would meet uh, you know how how it would clash you know I always love I always love imagining embarrassing situation like I'm constantly like looking I'm, I'm walking down the street and I'm like what if I did this and what if this person did that or you know like I always love this idea it, it's kind of a giddy kind of crazy you know and sometimes i go the other way i'm like what if you know that truck run over me and i'm you know decapitated then it's the end of it you know <laughs> like what you know i go the dark i do the i go the f- very funny or the very dark you know it's like constantly like boom 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 you know it's a, it's, it's a, it makes life uh exciting <laughs> Also, like, so you mentioned that you worked with your family,
2: um, like your father, also in all your film. So, can you talk about a little bit more about working with, you know, collaborating with family? Maybe you know, in the
1: this there's, there's, there was two parts of my family: my mother, who passed away, and my dad. And um, my mom was very easy to direct and very um, sweet and and easy to deal with. And my dad is never easy to direct. And I can't say he's the sweetest person. I mean, he's very funny, but he's very unpredictable. And actually, on the second film, my mom had, had, had passed away already, but he was on the second film. And I know Chris Rock was kind of scared of him uh, because he was really scared that he would do something like unpredictable. He's like, make sure your dad like, doesn't like French kiss me or something like he didn't know what my dad would do next in some scenes. And he was always terrified. And, and Chris is a very, very wonderful guy, and very, he's always very planned. I mean, he's a stand-up, so he writes everything, he, he thinks a lot. He's a very, very, you know, um, he does a lot of thinking. I mean, he's a really, really smart guy and stuff. And my dad is this, like, impulsive, completely n- not controllable, like an animal. I always say directing my dad is like directing King Kong. I mean, like, you don't know what's going on. So, you know, there's family and family, you know what I mean? So my mom was very easy to direct and my dad was always um, the, the wild uh, creature he still is I mean he's always like that he's great it's, it's, it's kind of fantastic to be like that and he doesn't care about famous people he doesn't care about anything you know he, 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 did, he doesn't have any, anything he's like out of this world like he's like straight from the 60s where everything was like you know money doesn't matter all that you know fame doesn't matter all that stuff you know but well, he's proud of you, right? Yeah, he's proud of me, but he doesn't care about, like, social status. He just cares about my happiness. He doesn't care about anything else, really. It's kind of great. Pure people. It's, like, so fucking rare. <laughs> Nowadays, I mean, it's like, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit, maybe, about your influences in, uh, as a
2: director? Um, did you like a lot of America? You've been compared to like Woody Allen, you know, like the French Woody Allen, Julie Delpy, uh, I hope. I, I wish
1: I could make a movie a year, <laughs> you know, I wish. <laughs> but you don't care about making money? No, but I have enough know. movies to make a movie a year, just I can't get the money together in time. I mean, I haven't find the, w- the way yet, but I will, I will. Um, because I'd love to be able to do that. No, but he's a great talent and it's a great honor to be even vaguely compared to him is amazing, but like, um, you know, I do love Woody Allen because I love the language. I love the neurosis. I also like psychosis. So, actually, I like Woody Allen, but I also like comedies by Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite comedy are actually Scorsese comedies, like King of Comedy, okay. which is my favorite film, probably. Or, you know, other films like about crazy people, like um, Doctor Strange Love is my, one of my favorite comedy because it's about psychotic, crazy, dangerous people. I sometimes like... Crazy, dangerous people make me love more than just neurotic people. But I like to combine the two. Uh, in Lolo, it's kind of like a psychopath—I mean, a sociopath—with a neurotic mom. It's a good combination because, really, like you know, you know, narcissist—I mean, psych- sociopath with uh, with neurotic people. But I mean, actually, sociopath like they—they neur- they usually cling on neurotic people because they, they're easy target. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you still watch a lot of like
2: movies like comedies or American comedies or I watch as much as I can
1: I watch I watch um you know I watch sometimes uh I, I like s- some sitcom you know it depends mm-hmm. which one like some I like some I don't like so it depends I like old stuff from the 90s also like the <laughs> Seinfeld <laughs> stuff yeah old stuff from the nineties. no but <laughs> you know like sometimes there was a way comedy was a bit more simple like it was but very funny you know um, and uh, sometimes we became more sophisticated in some ways, but in some ways not really as funny. I, I don't know, there's something about like, there's a, a certain era of sitcom that was very funny in the 90s, I think. But um, I um, I like uh, lots of different stuff. You know, it depends, you know, I go from watching new stuff to old stuff. Um, I uh, I watch films also, obviously, like comedies, dramas. I get all the Oscar stuff, so I watch all of that. So you, you watch the French and the American like, I try to like watch things. also a lot of French films mm-hmm. through the César. It's, I get the box. You
2: get a lot of boxes. The, I, li- I get yeah. a lot of movies. It's <laughs> great.
1: It's great to be part of the, you know, those Academy thing because you get, you get to, to get all the movies mm-hmm. at home, which is good because I have a kid, so I can't go out that much, so. No, but it's true. Yeah, but I, yeah. It's really sad, it's true. Mm. But it's true, you don't go out as much. I can't wait to be able to bring him to see you know, The Revenant but he's seven so not yet I told him about the scene of the bear we we actually make like live action I take the bear and I like make the live action of the bear (laughs) I have videos you wouldn't believe like it's better than the scene in the film (laughs) you think that scene was terrifying my version of it was my seven-year-old is something else you're, no you're no the but it's really funny he's the bear i'm the bear <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's Leo? <laughs> and he's leo his name is leo anyway so yeah so i'm the bear yeah it's really funny but no i don't i can't show him those films yet so whenever he grows up you know we'll go together see lots of films i can't wait to show him everything from godard to you know um, something else the alien you know when he's like 15 we will go see alien hopefully in the cinema you know or like something scary you know mm-hmm. because I know he's gonna like scary stuff he likes it already so uh, you mean in the cinema not at home in a real yeah, cinema yeah I'd love to bring him okay. in cinemas to see certain films you know okay. so well, you know, we, we, I hope cinema will exist for a very because long because it's time. funny for example I waited until I could see it on the on the big screen I waited to see the godfather on, until it was projected in a yeah. revival house like in the big screen so it really makes a difference, I think, to, um, to be able to see certain film. And, you know, I had seen 2001 on the small screen, and then finally a friend of mine had, for his birthday, a screening of 2001, mm. and it was such a great experience to see it on the big screen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm still a fan of big screen stuff, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. No, we, we are too, but I'm yeah. about the future. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have, I
1: have a... I have a pl- to be in a dark room with a lot of people watching a movie, there's nothing like it, you know.
2: It's great. Yeah. Uh, there's one last thing I wanted to talk to you about and then we can open it up to the audience. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you talk specifically about your relationship uh, with Richard uh, Linklater and working on the trilogy? You were acting only in the first one, but then you wrote also, uh, The second and the third one? You know, know,
1: Ethan and I wrote the first mm -hmm. one as well. We were not credited because we were hired as actors and then he made us rewrite the entire film, but Mm -hmm. Richard says it himself. We really went into a full rewrite. (laughs) I see I'm not the only one that doesn't know how to use a smartphone. No,
2: it's... (laughs) It's Richard calling you to to explain that yes, you did write the film.
1: Okay. Huh? It's Richard calling to say yeah, that he did, did. No, no, but Richard okay. is very open about the fact that we ended up rewriting everything. But we were not hired as writers, so you know there's rules and stuff that protects writers against actors that rewrite the entire film. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't get protect paid the writers, right. you know, but the actors that ended up writing the film. Don't protect them. No, but, like, it was... So the second film, we were pretty clear with Ethan. We're like, okay, this time, yeah. <laughs> this time, why don't we, since we wrote the first you know, all together, you know, why don't we, this time from the start, make it clear that we're credited and we're writing this film together. So that's... How. But, you know, it's, it's a great process. We work together, and, you know, I work with two men in the room, so it's kind of a process where they really listen to me because they want the woman's voice to be very... As balanced as possible, and since I'm the only woman in the room, you know, I get to talk for two of them. You know, kind of like they're being smart about that, like because I, I, think they really want the film to, to, to be as much of a woman's voice as it is a man's voice, you know, and so they basically listen to me, and I'm like, Schlock. No, uh, <laughs> I don't bust them around, but I do. No. No, no, it's not like that. We don't have that kind of relationship. We have a lot of fun. We, you know, we we play a lot. We we laugh a lot. And then we find the right thing for the character and the next step, you know.
2: Is it why you wanted to then direct? Um,
1: Because you started working on this side of the camera, Mm -hmm. maybe? Listen, no, I I, I wrote my first screenplay. I was 16. So I wanted to direct. Actually, Richard hired me on Before Sunrise. And I hired Ethan because he knew we both wrote. So he wanted writers as much as actors. So I think the reason why he hired the two of us, other than the fact that we had connection on screen, you know, some kind of chemistry, <coughs> he really wanted um, people that were going to bring more than just uh, not that it's just, but bring more than the than the acting at the, at that point. And so uh, I was writing since I was sixteen. I, I wrote my first screenplay. I was sixteen. I had written another screenplay by the age of 20 and then obviously no one was gonna finance a film by a 20 year old woman actress. And so then I started, I kept on writing. The only thing that really helped me on Before Sunrise, I didn't get credited, but I saw the review of the film and a lot of people liked specifically bits I had written. So it gave me confidence. You know, a lot of confidence has a lot to do with what people do in life, I think. You know, more than talent, in a way, I think confidence is, is, is almost, I mean, is so much of it, you know, and I think when you start having confidence, in a little more confidence, I'm not saying I'm super confident, but a little more confidence, it allows you to start doing more, you know. If you tell someone, you can never learn the piano past 30, they will not learn the piano past 30, it's proven, it's like, scientifically. If you tell someone, you can learn the piano as well as a 15-year-old, your mind is as well, or even if someone of 60, you can say to them, you can learn the piano as well as a 20 year old. You say, it's been proven scientifically, they'll learn the piano as well as a 20 year old. It's all, the mind is all about like confidence and being told you can do something or you can't do something. It's very important. It says a lot about education, you know, also. How people are, you know, but like being more confident as a writer made me start again. Because before that, I had worked with a writer It was really funny, I gave him a bit of my script, it was Sam Shepard, and I gave him my script. (laughs) And he said, honey, you're so pretty, please don't write. (laughs) And I admire him, I mean, listen, he's a great writer, but I was like, not a great, nice thing to do to a young writer, you know? (laughs) especially a woman it's like puts you down makes you feel like oh it's, okay and then I'm a woman I'm just you know doomed to be a pretty thing and you know that's it really
2: so worse, Richard was like, not yeah. like that
1: obviously thank God I
2: don't know I think like you're so pretty makes it
1: even worse huh <laughs> it makes it even worse when like you're so pretty Like you're so pretty why do you, you, you know. want to write why bother <laughs> but I think it's very funny I mean I I don't hold him against him I have nothing against him. you know it's, it's a joke I mean I think it's very funny you know Well, I I feel a lot more confident about myself now. You should.
2: should. Uh, We're going to take some questions from the audience. I think we have some microphone. Uh, If not, I will repeat the question. Is there microphones? No. Okay. So, uh, yes.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Godard okay. is is quite. Uh, he's he's got a great sense of humor, and he's very. He's extremely smart. He's like a genius. He's like a, you know, when you work with him, you realize he's basically the closest thing there is to a scientist as a filmmaker. Like he's like the ma- the mind of a genius, in a filmmaker's you know, like creative process. But basically, it's like working with a, a, a like like a scientific genius, but he's a director. You know, so it's a very interesting combination. He's quite funny, he's very dark, he has a dark sense of humor. He can be extremely mean in a very intelligent way. Mean as hell to some people, especially to people that take themselves too seriously or have an inflated ego. He doesn't like that, so he breaks them to pieces, which is really kind of crazy when you, when you witness that, like you will destroy someone completely. And, uh, <laughs> but to people that are insecure and simple, he's actually very caring, very loving, very supportive of people that are fragile. So he's actually a good person because that you're supposed to be like that. I mean, you're supposed to be supportive of fragile people. And, you know, people n- need to be reminded that they're only human. And some people think themselves are more than that. So... In this business, which is like, we're only making movies after all, you know, like, come on. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I, I love him for that. He's very real in a, in a sense and completely crazy at the same time, but, you know, he's great. I love his mind. It's really a beautiful, a beautiful thing to witness and especially I was so blessed to be able to, to witness his mind, you know, at such a young age and be, be part of his world, you know. Have you seen him recently or, I mean, No, I haven't and I always want to reconnect with him because he's actually done little notes and things in his books about me and sending me little notes uh, in his books, not directly, that are always so kind and so uh, such good advice and such beautiful things. And and I always want to reconnect, but I'm very bad at connecting with people. I'm, I'm like a complete mess. My life is a complete disaster because... I have a child, and I, I manage, like, directing, trying to make five films at once, and, you know, always, like, doing too many things in the same time, and and I just, um, and I have those nervous sticks because I'm so hyperactive that I actually have nervous sticks now, but it's, no, apparently, it's completely normal <laughs> when you drink, like, so much tea and you sleep two hours a night, but, um, I um yeah, I love Godar. I wish I wish I could reconnect with him, but you know, I'm very bad at that, you know.
2: Yes. I don't see any mic, so yes. Oh yes, there is a mic. It's and the mic might even work. It's a check special check. mic that for the, so you can get the yeah. mic. Yeah.
1: Um, since you, uh, Sam Shepard's advice notwithstanding, um, have you, uh, have little gems of insights you've gained from, uh, directors? And have the French directors and or the American directors been more useful or not in terms of it, uh, giving you ideas? And then what would the ideas you would impart as a result to the, uh, next young directors that you're whipping into shape with Godard's attitude there? You know, I, I had advice from a few people. I had advice, well, Indirectly, Richard Linklater gave me my confidence because he didn't credit me <laughs> on the first film. But the fact that he used my writing and that it was well reviewed, specifically those scenes, etc., made me confident. So that was a big part. A little more confident. I'm not saying I'm that confident, or. Uh, but um, then there was uh, Kieslowski was very helpful because actually at, at the time I decided. And even though I make films that are completely different from his films, but actually the advice he gave me is, he he said, make films that are true to yourself. Don't try to make, you know, a movie that's not what you are. You know, it's like, for example, I I give an example. When you you meet um, certain directors, um, you know, and um, uh, for example, David Lynch. You meet David Lynch. Why is David Lynch making David Lynch movie? You understand when you meet him no because he's it's true to who he is, I mean his films are him, you know, and it's completely you know you meet uh Tim Burton, you meet you know they're they it's for them what they're doing the films they're doing is the, the makes sense to us it seems a bit. Out there and stuff, but it's actually complete logic for them. So you have to. That, I think that's a very good advice from a director to to someone that as, aspires to become a director is to be true to what you are. You know, whatever it is. And then um, I'm saying that's an ideal world because you can't always be completely true because there's also it's a business, etc. But um, so he was very helpful. Also, he was very supportive of me becoming a director. At the time, I was 20, a lot of people were like, ah, why would you want to be a director? Not as bad as Sam Shepard, but like saying to me, oh, come on, like directors won't dream about you anymore if you become a director. They won't fantasize about, you know, you being this empty pot that they can fill with their ideas. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Great, you know, that idea of Pygmalion, you know, really. And, uh, and I was like, so I had mostly negative, and he was positive. He was like, and he actually, we talked a lot actually about screenwriting and the process and this idea of taking a seed of truth and growing a tree that's not necessarily the truth, but like the base of it is truth. You know, and, and it made me think a lot about, about things. And actually the, the next movie I want to do is actually a film that came out of, not at all inspired by, by our conversation but based on something that we had talked about 20 years ago and it took me 20 years to really get to it I put the little seed of truth and then I had to grow that 20 years that tree since so but you know so hopefully that will be my next film it's a drama actually but and a bit of an homage to him in a way um, then there's um, you know friends of mine like that I haven't necessarily worked with like Babette shredder who's a friend of mine told me, you know, things like, you know, always listen to people on set, you know, like you're not, you don't know everything. If someone has a better idea, if someone is, you know, like be open, you know, and I like that also because I think that's true. It's good to have your own ideas, but at the same time, it's not a dictatorship, a film. You know, you make a film, being a director is working with other people. That's what it is. And, you know, I think it's a good advice to be reminded, you know, it's, it's teamwork, you know. You, you don't make a film alone. That's for sure, as a director. You can write a film alone, you can't make a film alone. So, and Richard also has very much of that. Like, he really, really works with other people. I mean, other people have almost as much to say as him on set, you know? So it's, it's, it's interesting to see that way of working as well, so. Anyway, I got, throughout my life, advice from different people that way, so. And it's been helpful, you know? And the advice I would have would be the same to a young filmmaker, basically. And also maybe to never give up because it's a very long and hard road.
2: Uh, The microphone
0: is over there, yes. Could you please name a couple of uh, filmmaking and acting artistic influences that you've had throughout your life? Why did you cast Adam Goldberg in Two Days in Paris? You guys had terrific chemistry and do you find that the overly obsessive celebrity worship of Rupert Pumpkin is still a contemporary issue? The what? The uh, obsessive uh, celebrity worship by Rupert Pumpkin is still very much a contemporary issue?
1: Oh yeah, more than ever. Actually, it's kind of a visionary film. No, King of Comedy is one of my favorite films. First of all, because it's insane, and it's about a stand-up. And I think my obsession with stand-up comedian comes from that film, you know? Um because i'm not that I'm obsessed with stand-up comedian, but I have a fascination for them. I keep hiring them in movies um, I, I just love stand up so much, and um not that I want to do it, but it's like it fascinates me I, I think because of that film, you know because it kind of made me think they're all crazy <laughs> and I want to be around them um, just um um The first question I forget, like, what was my inspiration? There's many things that are my inspiration. Um, I've seen many, many movies as a kid. My dad would drag me see everything, you know, and probably too early. Like, I would see pretty dark or adult films. Adult, not as porno, but as, you know, as Bergman adult. (laughs) So, not not porno, right, Bergman. Um, You know, scenes from a marriage or... Uh, you know a uh, film like that at a very very early age so you know it kind of shaped my mind a certain way I don't think it's necessarily bad it made me grow up pretty fast about understanding people's relationship and dynamic of adults and all that you know it being also Casaveres, when I was like eight nine I would see you know women under the influence the complexity of human beings you know when you're facing it very early on I'm not sure it's that bad Because it made me understand why people were fighting, like parents of mm, my parents, parents of my friends, like made me understand why people are so complicated and why some people are unhappy and stuff. It's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, because films can make you understand a lot of stuff, you know, when it's good films, you know. So um, um, what else? Last thing? Adam Goldberg. Adam Goldberg. You know i first of all i think he's a fantastic actor and also he had been my boyfriend five years before so it was and he had left me so (laughs) listen it i kind of went to him guilt tripping him that he had left me and by that by making him feel bad i got him to work in my film basically for free Now I regret I didn't have affairs with more actors because it would be much easier to cast my films now. I didn't think of it. I was like, people were flirting with me. I was not interested. I've never been too much into actors. I I never liked actors, usually. I mean, I don't like dating actors. They're too self-centered. I have enough of one self-centered person in the family. But, like, basically, I just, like, you know, I guilt trip him and he agreed to do my film. And he's great. You know, he's such a good actor. So that was fun. That was many years after we had been together, but I was—I find a way to make him feel bad, and he, he agreed to do my film. Anything, anything goes. Anything, you know, to make a movie, you know.
2: There's um, Michael from Bear and Venue. Uh, hi,
0: Mr. Lupino, sorry. Um, I'm a huge fan of you. Uh, Today's in Paris, I absolutely love. I've seen the movie on it how many times, and every time I see it, it's as fresh as the first time. Um, I'm a new screenplay writer. I just finished my first screenplay, and I would love to know, if you hope you could share with us, what is a bit your writing process like? And maybe if possible, um, you, could, you could use Two Days in Paris as, uh, as some examples. And as a quick uh, side question, why was the character Jack not in Two Days in New York? Thank you.
1: Because, uh, okay, no, I don't wanna, um, there's nothing personal there it's don't worry there's no like affair after the film or something I like when it's done it's done with me but um no what the thing happened is that he wasn't he was not happy with the film so he ended up I don't know why he, he didn't like the film he thought I had castrated him like that I manipulated the story into making it a film about like like a man that was not really a man or something. It was very weird. I don't know why. I, I don't understand because I think he's fantastic in the film. and Actually, the process and the shoot was wonderful. So, you know, I don't know. Um, the writing process, it depends, you know. On that film, originally on Two Days in Paris, I wanted to do an improvised film. What happened is that I started working with uh, with Adam and very quickly, those financiers in France told me, uh, improvised film? They had agreed. And they're like, no, we changed our mind. We don't want, we want a full written screenplay. When I said that to Adam, he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not writing a screenplay. We said it was an improvised film. So I say, okay, I've got to give something to those Germans. Uh, It was a German company financing the film. (laughs) (laughs) You know, at first they say, yes! And then they're like, no, we want the script. No, but, uh, (laughs) I love Germans, listen, they finance all my films. <laughs> They're giving me money every film, I adore them. So um, uh, basically, I, I was like, oh shit, and I, we're not far from going into production or not going into production, so the whole film was like on a razor's edge of happening or not happening. So I wrote a screenplay in two weeks, uh, kind of like with a gun to <laughs> it. Was like, Okay, I'm writing a screenplay, so I had no choice. I, I had to write the screenplay. So my writing process goes from, you know, it's always, uh, a, you know, it's often in a state of emergency or survive. I don't know. It's it kind of wired me to write in a way that's never, you know, it, it's not a cute writing process. It's like complete, like it's quite intense. I usually also it's happened to me that sometimes I have an, an idea for 20 years and suddenly I have like Eureka but after 20 years you know of thinking about it and suddenly I write everything in a week. I've written screenplays where I have a screenplay I've been writing it for almost 20 years called Virgo Rising for Woody Allen to star in. I mean, if I don't finish it, I don't know what's gonna happen, but like, you know, I better do it soon, even though his parents died at 100, so I might have time still, but, you know. Um, <laughs> but you know, like, there's films that I can't write, I spent 20 years on it. Lolo, it was more like a process where, my favorite process of writing is this. I write, I, 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 I write a story, I think of the characters carefully, I really, really work out everything from beginning to end of the structure, the characters, every single person, every single dynamic between the characters. I write everything like with like little drawings and cards and little pins and stuff, almost like a drawing, like a giant drawing with connection and and story point by point, A, B, C, D and then I usually write it when I'm all done with that and I usually try to write it very quickly because I find that writing quickly dialogue makes it very natural. You can work forever on the structure and the characters, but I find dialogue is better when you go for it. When you don't write a scene in two weeks, you write a scene in an hour, you know. So it sounds pretty crazy, but it's actually my way of working. So that's it.
0: The question here. Hi, uh, Hi. I just have a question Um, based on your experience. Which one do you think the best, directing, acting, or writing, and why? What's the best? Yeah, which one do you prefer? Oh, prefer.
1: Um, You know, it has different elements that are, it's so different, the three that I can't say I like something the best. Writing is probably the most complex part, because you have to do the most thinking, and it's, often underrated compared to the amount of work, underestimated compared to actually that's where you create so much you know, uh, of the original ideas and stuff, depending if you do adaptation, an adaptation or not. But if it's an original screenplay, that's where the mind is more at work, I think. Then I think you know, directing is complete teamwork. You know, it's completely different than writing, I think. The opposite, it's like, it's like a party a party with a lot of stress and a lot of decision making you know it's like all those people all the time you don't have time to think you know you better be really prepared because a lot of thinking is done in preparation to me you know then the shoot is like you know it's like being electrocuted or something it's like so intense but it's great and it's fun it's like you know and then acting is completely something else because you're completely vulnerable completely lost Uh, you don't sleep anymore, you don't eat anymore, or you overeat. That's my, you know, you start eating too much, you know, because you're so anxious. So, you know, it's completely different. It's funny, when we were doing Before Sunset and Before uh, Midnight, I always get confused, you know, with Ethan, when we were writing, actually writing can be quite settling because you're thinking, it's all the intellect and everything, and then Ethan and I went from writing sleeping eating normally having normal (laughs) lives sharing moments with our family blah 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 then you go into acting and you're like you don't sleep you don't eat you have anxiety attack i mean acting makes you completely vulnerable so it's a very strange step in the process so when i do both at once i usually go from very together to very vulnerable very together very vulnerable very together, back and forth back and forth like 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 a little bit like crazy a little bit crazy because it's completely I think it's completely the opposite directing and acting weirdly enough it's kind of a to me to me to me to me me.
2: Uh, question hi
1: (laughs) I can't say I prefer something sorry I don't know actually if I even like any of it (laughs) I mean. No, seriously, it's kind of torture, but I'm doing it because I don't know how to do, not, not just anything else. I'm sure I could do it something else with my life, but it's like I can't help myself but doing it. So I do it because I can't help myself. Not sure it makes me happy at all, you know? It's really weird, I swear. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, I really admire you and thank you for all your work. Thank you. Uh, I, my question has a little bit to do with the last one. Um, It seems like to you, acting, writing, and directing just go together and that's really what I want to do with my life as well. And I just wanted to know how your relationship with these three art forms kind of flourished and at what point you kind of um, took power that you were these three things? Um, You know, I don't know. I started writing really young, short stories, mostly sci-fi. I was a super nerd. I only read sci-fi as a kid. And so I wrote sci-fi as well. And so um, I had a club called the Yoda Club. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to move objects and we were like two people. (laughs) Me and a girlfriend of mine (coughs) Uh, with short hair, wearing curdoids and trying to move objects, but um, with our power, with our mind, not with our fingers, with our mind. And um, so, um, you know, I don't know, but I just, I just, I just did it for two days in Paris. Actually, I did it before. I did a film called *Looking for Jimmy* in '97. That was a completely improvised movie, where I, again I had no choice. It was shot for five thousand bucks. I had no choice but put myself in it because, obviously, no one else wanted to be in it. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and I, I realize there's something about being in my films sometimes, but I'm not going to do it always because I have a few projects where I'm not in it, and I'm happy about that. Um, I, I notice that you kind of give the tone as well of the film like it it kind of gives a certain tone like it becomes really your kind of film you know you 're in it, you wrote it, you direct it it 's become this kind of object that you created you know it's it 's an interesting process i mean i don 't know why i 'm doing it because as i said i 'm not sure it 's making me happy you know but i i don 't know how to do it uh, not, I, I, how to not do it, you know, but I love when i'm i 've been making films like The Skylab is a film no one saw because it was not bought here. And it's, it's actually a sweet movie, but you know, it's very French and I don't know, people didn't, I think, uh, yeah, I had a problem with some women at a festival that didn't want it because she thought it was, uh, I don't know, she's crazy anyway, I think. But anyway, she's a bitch. I'll, I'll get back to her. I'll, I'll, I'll get to her one day. She only has power because she's married to a powerful man, but anyway, uh, one of those. she German? No, she's not German. Listen, I love Germans. No, hey, they give me money for all my films, and on top of it, they're very nice to me in Germany. It's really weird, but they love me. Um, It's called... (laughs) Listen, my son is half German. Let's not talk about it. Um, So, no, I I forgot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I forgot what I was talking about. (laughs) Anyway, the Skylab, I got to direct a lot of scenes where I was not in because I had a small part in it, and it was a wonderful experience. Especially I got to direct kids, I enjoy directing kids, I, I enjoy directing actors when I'm not in it. You know, it's really, it's really wonderful, so I hope I'll be able to do that as well. Even though my next film, I'm probably going to be in it, it's, the, it's kind of the last of a series of film, because after that, I don't think I want to be in anything for a little bit. I, I, uh, I want to relax a little bit.
2: So we have time for two more questions. Uh, There's a microphone here. Hi, um, this is a very nerve-wracking question to ask, but um, I did survive working in a show for Sam, so I'm... (laughs) uh, There are a handful of of French actors who are so accepted and loved in in America, and I just wondered if you thought that there would ever be a possibility of an American actor um, working in France in French in in the you know, in a film.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, French are very, if you decide to have a career in France and move to France as an American, I think you will have lots of parts. Uh, I think as an American actor, there is a possibility, or actress, you know. um, You know, you have in France a few actors from other countries that have become successful and they have accents, but no one really cares after a while. no, we have like a bunch of actors like Sergi Lopez who's Spanish. We have like, you know, when people decide to have a career in France, if they're good actors, obviously, otherwise, you know, you know, there, there's a possibility uh, to, to do that. Yeah. I don't think France is close to only French, French uh, people, you know. There's this actress also, uh, she's in uh, the, the film uh, two, two Friends, Deux Amis. Uh, uh, yeah. She's, she's w- really wonderful and she, she's uh, you know, acting in French, she learned French and she's making movies in French so I think peop, you know you just need to speak French, that's the thing Hi, if you could adapt any book into a film which would it be and why? You know, it's a book it's called The Demon by Hubert Selby Jr. <laughs> it's a great book it's uh, it's very dark and um, someone has the rights I think for life and no one will never be able to adapt it unless and I think it would be great if they gave the rights to women actually um, to me in particular <laughs> I think so too <laughs> But um, I think Jean-Jacques Benex has the rights of many of his books for life, and I don't think you'll ever, no one will never be able to get yes, them. He right for that film? For d- The Demon, yeah, I think so. For, I mean, for the story? Yeah, for li- I think lifetime rights, yeah. I th- that's what I had heard last time, but maybe it has changed since. Maybe someone bought it from him. But I'd, I'd love to adapt that book, because I think I really understand the character. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Would you make it here or in France? I mean, here. here. Yeah. Here. Okay.
2: Would you cast American actors?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. You know, it's a bit it's it's like an it's like American Psycho but much more prof- like much deeper than American Psycho, but much more like complex, much much more complex. Not that I don't like American Psycho. It's a great film, a great book, but this is very very complex version of it very complex about human nature, and it's a great book.
2: I think we should start a campaign for you to get the right. Because it would <laughs> be <Right>? awesome. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: If someone will do a hashtag, something. Will, yeah, There's also cool. another book I'd love to adapt, Truisme. It's a French book that I love. It's, very, it's a long time ago, but it's about a woman becoming a pig
2: it's not that old I mean it's like no no, it's, no no there's also like she falls here.
1: in love with a wolf it's no. like very complex it's
2: a, it's a huh? a, the French book
1: oui, oui, yeah. the French I don't book. know if yeah, yeah. it was
2: translated here so.
1: actually, actually I think Godard has the rights for a long time Jean-Luc Godard believe it or not it's a really great book because it's about it's, it's not just about a woman becoming a pig it's kind of like the metamorphosis it's about something else you know anyway it's a great book but that's it
2: well, we, we're going to work on these directors to make you. sure that they, they give you the rights. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. We're Thank you. To, uh,
1: the Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Nick Kemp and Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization
0: based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society
1: by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.org. F I L M L I N
0: C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center, film lives here.